section eleven of south sea tales by jack london this librivox recording is in the public domain the seed of mccoy part two at three in the morning the captain was aroused by a gentle tugging at his arm he sat up quickly bracing himself against the skylight stupid yet from his heavy sleep the wind was thrumming its war-song in the rigging and a wild sea was buffeting the pyrenees amidships she was wallowing first one rail under and then the other flooding the waist more often than not mccoy was shouting something he could not hear he reached out clutched the other by the shoulder and drew him close so that his own ear was close to the other's lips it's three o'clock came mccoy's voice still retaining its dove-like quality but curiously muffled as if from a long way off we've run two hundred and fifty crescent island is only thirty miles away somewhere there dead ahead there's no lights on it if we keep running we'll pile up and lose ourselves as well as the ship what do you think heave to yes heave to till daylight it will only put us back four hours so the pyrenees with her cargo of fire was hove to bidding the teeth of the gale and fighting and smashing the pounding seas she was a shell filled with a conflagration and on the outside of the shell clinging precariously the little motes of men by pull and haul helped her in the battle it is most unusual this gale mccoy told the captain in the lee of the cabin by rights there should be no gale at this time of the year but everything about the weather has been unusual there has been a stoppage of the trades and now it's howling right out of the trade quarter he waved his hand into the darkness as if his vision could dimly penetrate for hundreds of miles it is off to the westward there is something big making off there somewhere a hurricane or something we're lucky to be so far to the eastward but this is only a little blow he added it can't last i can tell you that much by daylight the gale had eased down to normal but daylight revealed a new danger it had come on thick the sea was covered by a fog or rather by a pearly mist that was fog-like in density in so far as it obstructed vision but that was no more than a film on the sea for the sun shot it through and filled it with a glowing radiance the deck of the pyrenees was making more smoke than on the preceding day and the cheerfulness of officers and crew had vanished in the lee of the galley the cabin boy could be heard whimpering it was his first voyage and the fear of death was at his heart the captain wandered about like a lost soul nervously chewing his moustache scowling unable to make up his mind what to do what do you think he asked pausing by the side of mccoy who was making a breakfast of fried bananas and a mug of water mccoy finished the last banana drained the mug and looked slowly around 
in his eyes was a smile of tenderness and he said well captain we might as well drive as burn your decks are not going to hold out forever they are hotter this morning you haven't a pair of shoes i can wear it is getting uncomfortable for my bare feet the pyrenees shipped two heavy seas as she swung off and put once more before it and the first mate expressed a desire to have all that water down in the hold if only it could be introduced without taking off the hatches mccoy ducked his head into the binnacle and watched the course set i'd hold her up some more captain he said she's been making drift when hove to i've set it to a point higher already was the answer isn't that enough i'd make it two points captain this bit of a blow kicked that westerly current ahead faster than you imagine captain davenport compromised on a point and a half and then went aloft accompanied by mccoy and the first mate to keep a lookout for land sail had been made so that the pyrenees was doing ten knots the following sea was dying down rapidly there was no break in the pearly fog and by ten o'clock captain davenport was growing nervous all hands were at their stations ready at the first warning of land ahead to spring like fiends to the task of bringing the pyrenees up on the wind that land ahead a surf-washed outer reef would be perilously close when it revealed itself in such a fog another hour passed the three watchers aloft stared intensely into the pearly radiance what if we miss mangareva captain davenport asked abruptly mccoy without shifting his gaze answered softly why let her drive captain that is all we can do all the pimodas are before us we can drive for a thousand miles through reefs and atolls we are bound to fetch up somewhere then drive it is captain davenport evidenced his intention of descending to the deck we've missed mangareva god knows where the next land is i wish i'd held her up that other half point he confessed a moment later this cursed current plays the devil with the navigator the old navigators called the pimodus the dangerous archipelago mccoy said when they had regained the poop this very current was partly responsible for that name i was talking with a sailor chap in sydney once said mr koenig he'd been trading in the pimotus he told me insurance was eighteen per cent is that right mccoy smiled and nodded except that they don't insure he explained the owners write off twenty per cent of the cost of their schooners each year my god captain davenport groaned that makes the life of a schooner only five years he shook his head sadly murmuring bad waters bad waters again they went into the cabin to consult the big general chart but the poisonous vapors drove them coughing and gasping on deck here is morenhout island captain davenport pointed it out on the chart which he had spread on the house it can't be more than a hundred miles to leeward a hundred and ten mccoy shook his head doubtfully it might be done but it is very difficult i might beach her and then again i might put her on the reef 
A bad place, a very bad place. We'll take the chance, was Captain Davenport's decision, as he set about working out the course. Sail was shortened early in the afternoon, to avoid running past in the night, and in the second dog watch the crew manifested its regained cheerfulness. Land was so very near, and their troubles would be over in the morning. But morning broke clear with a blazing tropic sun. The southeast trade had swung around to the eastward and was driving the Pyrenees through the water at an eight knot clip. Captain Davenport worked up his dead reckoning, allowing generously for drift, and announced Morenhout Island to be not more than ten miles off. The Pyrenees sailed the ten miles. She sailed ten miles more, and the lookouts at the three mastheads saw not but the naked sun-washed sea but the land is there i tell you captain davenport shouted to them from the poop mccoy smiled soothingly but the captain glared about him like a madman fetched his sextant and took a chronometer sight i knew i was right he almost shouted when he had worked up the observation twenty-one fifty-five south one thirty-six two west there you are we're eight miles to windward yet what did you make it out mr koenig the first mate glanced at his own figures and said in a low voice twenty-one fifty-five all right but my longitude's one thirty-six forty-eight that puts us considerably to leeward but captain davenport ignored his figures with so contemptuous a silence as to make mr koenig grit his teeth and curse savagely under his breath keep her off the captain ordered the man at the wheel three points steady there as she goes then he returned to his figures and worked them over the sweat poured from his face he chewed his mustache his lips and his pencil staring at the figures as a man might at a ghost suddenly with a fierce muscular outburst he crumpled the scribbled paper in his fist and crushed it underfoot mr koenig grinned vindictively and turned away while captain davenport leaned against the cabin and for half an hour spoke no word contenting himself with gazing to leeward with an expression of musing hopelessness on his face mr mccoy he broke silence abruptly the chart indicates a group of islands but not how many off there to the northward or nor northwestward about forty miles the Acteon islands what about them there are four all low mccoy answered first to the southeast is maturui no people no entrance to the lagoon then comes tenarunga there used to be about a dozen people there but they may be all gone now anyway there is no entrance for a ship only a boat entrance with a fathom of water vihaga and tiuraro are the other two no entrances no people very low there is no bed for the pyrenees in that group she would be a total wreck listen to that captain davenport was frantic no people no entrances what in the devil are islands good for well then he barked suddenly like an excited terrier the chart gives a whole mess of islands off to the northwest 
what about them what one has an entrance where i can lay my ship mccoy calmly considered he did not refer to the chart all these highlands reefs shoals lagoons entrances and distances were marked on the chart of his memory he knew them as the city dweller knows his buildings streets and alleys papakenna and vanavana are off there to the westward or west norwestward a hundred miles and a bit more he said one is uninhabited and i heard that the people on the other had gone off to cadmus island anyway neither lagoon has an entrance ahunui is another hundred miles on to the northwest no entrance no people well forty miles beyond them are two islands captain davenport queried raising his head from the chart mccoy shook his head paros and manuhungi no entrances no people nango nango is forty miles beyond them in turn and it has no people and no entrance but there is hao island it is just the place the lagoon is thirty miles long and five miles wide there are plenty of people you can usually find water and any ship in the world can go through the entrance he ceased and gazed solicitously at captain davenport who bending over the chart with a pair of dividers in hand had just emitted a low groan is there any lagoon with an entrance anywhere nearer than hao island he asked no captain that is the nearest well it's three hundred and forty miles captain davenport was speaking very slowly with decision i won't risk the responsibility of all these lives i'll wreck her on the actions and she's a good ship too he added regretfully after altering the course this time making more allowance than ever for the westerly current an hour later the sky was overcast the southeast trade still held but the ocean was a checkerboard of squalls we'll be there by one o'clock captain davenport announced confidently by two o'clock at the outside mccoy you put her ashore on the one where the people are the sun did not appear again nor at one o'clock was any land to be seen captain davenport looked astern at the pyrenees's canting wake good lord he cried an easterly current look at that mr koenig was incredulous mccoy was non-committal though he had said that in the pimotus there was no reason why it should not be an easterly current a few minutes later a squall robbed the pyrenees temporarily of all her wind and she was left rolling heavily in the trough where's that deep lead over with it you there captain davenport held the lead line and watched it sag off to the northeast there look at that take hold of it for yourself mccoy and the mate tried it and felt the line thrumming and vibrating savagely to the grip of the tidal stream a four-knot current said mr koenig an easterly current instead of westerly said captain davenport glaring accusingly at mccoy as if to cast the blame for it upon him that is one of the reasons captain for insurance being eighteen per cent in these waters mccoy answered cheerfully you can never tell 
the currents are always changing there was a man who wrote books i forget his name in the yacht casco he missed takaroa by thirty miles and fetched taikei all because of the shifting currents you are up to windward now and you'd better keep off a few points but how much has this current set me the captain demanded irately how am i to know how much to keep off i don't know captain mccoy said with great gentleness the wind returned and the pyrenees her deck smoking and shimmering in the bright gray light ran off dead to leeward then she worked back port tack and starboard tack criss-crossing her track combing the sea for the Actaeon islands which the masthead lookouts failed to sight captain davenport was beside himself his rage took the form of sullen silence and he spent the afternoon in pacing the poop or leaning against the weather shrouds at nightfall without even consulting mccoy he squared away and headed into the northwest mr koenig surreptitiously consulting chart and binnacle and mccoy openly and innocently consulting the binnacle knew that they were running for hao island by midnight the squalls ceased and the stars came out captain davenport was cheered by the promise of a clear day i'll get an observation in the morning he told mccoy though what my latitude is is a puzzler but i'll use the sumner method and settle that do you know the sumner line and thereupon he explained it in detail to mccoy the day proved clear the trade blew steadily out of the east and the pyrenees just as steadily logged her nine knots both the captain and mate worked out the position on a sumner line and agreed and at noon agreed again and verified the morning sights by the noon sights another twenty-four hours and we'll be there captain davenport assured mccoy it's a miracle the way the old girl's decks hold out but they can't last they can't last look at them smoke more and more every day yet it was a tight deck to begin with fresh caulked in frisco i was surprised when the fire first broke out and we battened down look at that he broke off to gaze with dropped jaw at a spiral of smoke that coiled and twisted in the lee of the mizzenmast twenty feet above the deck now how did that get there he demanded indignantly beneath it there was no smoke crawling up from the deck sheltered from the wind by the mast by some freak it took form and visibility at that height it writhed away from the mast and for a moment overhung the captain like some threatening portent the next moment the wind whisked it away and the captain's jaw returned to place as i was saying when we first battened down i was surprised it was a tight deck yet it leaked smoke like a sieve and we've caulked and caulked ever since there must be tremendous pressure underneath to drive so much smoke through that afternoon the sky became overcast again and squally drizzly weather set in the wind shifted back and forth between southeast and northeast and at midnight the pyrenees was caught aback by a sharp squall from the southwest 
from which point the wind continued to blow intermittently we won't make hollow until ten or eleven captain davenport complained at seven in the morning when the fleeting promise of the sun had been erased by hazy cloud masses in the eastern sky and the next moment he was plaintively demanding and what are the currents doing lookouts at the mastheads could report no land and the day passed in drizzling calms and violent squalls by nightfall a heavy sea began to make from the west the barometer had fallen to twenty nine point five zero there was no wind and still the ominous sea continued to increase soon the pyrenees was rolling madly in the huge waves that marched in an unending procession from out of the darkness of the west sail was shortened as fast as both watches could work and when the tired crew had finished its grumbling and complaining voices peculiarly animal-like and menacing could be heard in the darkness once the starboard watch was called aft to lash down and make secure and the men openly advertised their sullenness and unwillingness every slow movement was a protest and a threat the atmosphere was moist and sticky like mucilage and in the absence of wind all hands seemed to pant and gasp for air the sweat stood out on faces and bare arms and captain davenport for one his face more gaunt and careworn than ever and his eyes troubled and staring was oppressed by a feeling of impending calamity it's off to the westward mccoy said encouragingly at worst we'll only be on the edge of it but captain davenport refused to be comforted and by the light of a lantern read up the chapter in his epitome that related to the strategy of shipmasters in cyclonic storms from somewhere amidships the silence was broken by a low whimpering from the cabin boy oh shut up captain davenport yelled suddenly and with such force as to startle every man on board and to frighten the offender into a wild wail of terror mr koenig the captain said in a voice that trembled with rage and nerves will you kindly step forward and stop that brat's mouth with a deck mop but it was mccoy who went forward and in a few minutes had the boy comforted and asleep shortly before daybreak the first breath of air began to move from out of the southeast increasing swiftly to a stiff and stiffer breeze all hands were on deck waiting for what might be behind it we're all right now captain said mccoy standing close to his shoulder the hurricane is to the westward and we are south of it this breeze is the insuck it won't blow any harder you can begin to put sail on her but what's the good where shall i sail this is the second day without observations and we should have sighted hollow island yesterday morning which way does it bear north south east or what tell me that and i'll make sail in a jiffy i am no navigator captain mccoy said in his mild way i used to think i was one was the retort before i got into these pimotus at midday the cry of breakers ahead was heard from the lookout the pyrenees was kept off 
and sail after sail was loosed and sheeted home the pyrenees was sliding through the water and fighting a current that threatened to set her down upon the breakers officers and men were working like mad cook and cabin boy captain davenport himself and mccoy all lending a hand it was a close shave it was a low shoal a bleak and perilous place over which the seas broke unceasingly where no man could live and on which not even sea-birds could rest the pyrenees was swept within a hundred yards of it before the wind carried her clear and at this moment the panting crew its work done burst out in a torrent of curses upon the head of mccoy of mccoy who had come on board and proposed the run to mangareva and lured them all away from the safety of pitcairn island to certain destruction in this baffling and terrible stretch of sea but mccoy's tranquil soul was undisturbed he smiled at them with simple and gracious benevolence and somehow the exalted goodness of him seemed to penetrate to their dark and sombre souls shaming them and from very shame stilling the curses vibrating in their throats bad waters bad waters captain davenport was murmuring as his ship forged clear but he broke off abruptly to gaze at the shoal which should have been dead astern but which was already on the pyrenees's weather quarter and working up rapidly to windward he sat down and buried his face in his hands and the first mate saw and mccoy saw and the crew saw what he had seen south of the shoal an easterly current had set them down upon it north of the shoal an equally swift westerly current had clutched the ship and was sweeping her away i've heard of these pimotus before the captain groaned lifting his blanched face from his hands captain moyendale told me about them after losing his ship on them and i laughed at him behind his back god forgive me i laughed at him what shoal is that he broke off to ask mccoy i don't know captain why don't you know because i never saw it before and because i never heard of it i do know that it is not charted these waters have never been thoroughly surveyed then you don't know where we are no more than you do mccoy said gently at four in the afternoon coconut trees were sighted apparently growing out of the water a little later the low land of an atoll was raised above the sea i know where we are now captain mccoy lowered the glasses from his eyes that's resolution island we are forty miles beyond ha'o island and the wind is in our teeth get ready to beach her then where's the entrance there's only a canoe passage but now that we know where we are we can run for barclay de tolly it is only one hundred and twenty miles from here due nor northwest with this breeze we can be there by nine o'clock tomorrow morning captain davenport consulted the chart and debated with himself if we wreck her here mccoy added we'd have to make the run to barclay de tolly in the boats just the same the captain gave his orders 
and once more the pyrenees swung off for another run across the inhospitable sea end of part two of the seed of mccoy